0: That is so good, let's pray and thank God for those who have gone before us and done it afraid. God, thank you so much for those in our families that have gone before us and done it afraid. Thank you for those in this church that Craig and Vipka have done so much for this church and for us here in this community afraid. Thank you for our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, and those in history who have done things afraid. We wanna be more like them, I wanna be more like them. Thank you God for reminding us that you use ordinary people while they're afraid to do extraordinary things that you want to do on this earth in the name of jesus amen amen thank you so much wasn't that powerful i don't know what to do with myself oh my gosh that was awesome good morning central wesleyan church how are you I love you. Do you know how much I love you and your church and your leadership, Craig and Vivka? I got to be with you a couple years ago around Christmas and I just begged to come back. My name is Hosanna. You could call me Hosanna Poetry if we get to meet later at my table in the lobby. I went by Hosanna Poetry for years when I just did spoken word. Um, it's, you can also call me by my given name, Hosanna Wong. Either way, I won't be offended. Hosanna poetry is a little bit misleading because it sounds like I'm just going to rhyme and scream at you for the next 25 minutes, which would not be the case. Um, Hosanna Wong is also kind of misleading because if you grew up in church and you know about like Hosanna, like Hosanna in the highest, it sounds like I'm a Chinese worship leader. Um, which is not the case either, uh, I promised you if I was singing, you wouldn't be brought to the highest, you'd be brought to the lowest. And so I'm just going to be preaching today. You can call me by either, but I am so thrilled to be a part of this series, Do It Afraid. Someone in the back asked me, do you speak on fear? A lot? And I said, no, but I am an expert. I am so excited to, to share with you all of my fears. A little bit about me if we have never got to meet before. I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. My parents planted a church and outreach to the homeless, drug addicts, prostitutes, and pimps on the street there 30 years ago when I was in my mom's belly. I'm 29 years old now. And I loved growing up on the streets there. In fact, they're who taught me spoken word. All my drug addict ex-convict friends taught me the art of hip hop and the art of storytelling. They also taught me the art of poker, but I only pursued one of those career ambitions, amen. And I so loved just getting to learn to tell stories that way. It's a little bit different, but that's just kind of how everyone on the streets talked. So that was kind of the natural language of my soul. And then I got the chance to tour around the country for a few years, just living in hotel rooms and guest rooms, performing spoken word. And during that time, I got hired to perform at a really awesome church where I met a really good-looking pastor. And so I married him. <laughs> Chinese man, we get A-plus in school. Marry that man. <laughs> and you're not supposed to like pick your favorite churches that you go to. But when you go for a gig and you leave with a husband, it's at least top ten. My husband's actually from Hudsonville. Is anyone familiar with Hudsonville? Yes, some Hudsonville fans in the house. What's up? So I love when I get to come here. I kind of feel like it's a second home. I get to see my awesome in-laws, Bill and Sue. And because I've been at this church and I love this area, I do kind of feel like I'm already home and I feel like I'm just going to be really open about my fears, right? That's what your dysfunctional family tells you about when you see them after a long time. I can't wait. I love this series, Do It Afraid, because I've done a lot of things afraid in my life, nine years ago, I packed my life into suitcases and drove across state lines, feeling like God was calling me to preach the gospel through spoken word in a way I hadn't seen done before. And during that time, I had to stop in between state lines to do my laundry, because I was living out of hotels at the time, performing three to five days a week for the next four years. And on top of a dryer, with my really, really, like, broken down laptop, I wrote that piece I just performed for you, these waters. Just saying, man, I can trust God with my life. I hope he has a plan for me. I was born with a purpose. I was born with talent. I was born with a mission to set the captives free. And I remember in that moment writing that piece, knowing that I was embarking on something while I was afraid. Years later, I got the opportunity to start preaching, and I wrote a couple books, and I certainly did that, very afraid. I ended up being the co-director for my family's homeless ministry, and that I certainly did, very afraid. I became the teaching pastor at Eastlake Church in San Diego, California, and I am currently doing that, extremely afraid. And the reason why I love this series, Do It Afraid, so much is because... I mostly do things afraid. In fact, if I didn't do things afraid, I probably wouldn't do anything. And so I thought, this is perfect for me. I'm right in my wheelhouse, and I'm going to look up some other fears that some other people have. Let's see, like generally in America, what are some of the most popular and least popular fears. I found a few. Tell me if you know what they are. Have you ever heard of turophobia? It's the fear of Cheese. Just so you know, if you're new to church, I want you to know that we only believe God wants good things for you. We rebuke that fear in the name of Jesus. Don't worry. We love it. We love the Gs. Here's another one, somnophobia. You can probably guess what that one is, somnophobia. It's the fear of sleep. This kid has overcome in the name of Jesus. We believe there is healing from your somnophobia. Finally, poganophobia. Poganophobia is the horrible fear of beards. I've overcome, that's my handsome Hudsonville husband and his beard. And so thank you, Jesus, that pogonophobia isn't one of my fears. There's a lot of funny fears out there. I think maybe all of us can relate. We have some funny, weird ones that our friends might make fun of us about. And sometimes some of us have some fears that are so real. There's really nothing funny about them. I kind of want to talk about those fears I love this series, Jude, Afraid, because Craig and, and Steve were so clear that this series isn't about having no fear. This series isn't about eliminating fear. It's about doing things even in the midst of some of our fears. For me, this is exciting to talk about because I've always wanted to be bold. Are there any comic book fans in the house? Does anyone here love DC over Marvel as good Christians should? No? Oh my gosh, you were in the front row. I thought we were gonna be friends. It's fine. Jesus still loves you. I love superheroes. My, me and my baby brother, we love every movie that comes out even the marvel ones respect to you and we love all the comic books and i always said that if i could have any superhero power it would be to be bold i've always wanted to be bold i've always wanted to be fearless to just make decisions for my life with a little bit more certainty to just make big life decisions with a little bit more confidence if i could have any kind of power i wish i could be bold i think as a kid i was bold you know how when you grow up, you have this weird, false sense of security? I remember being like five, six, seven, and with my family's church to the homeless. We were there every day with the homeless. And I would just walk the streets by myself, passing out pamphlets to come to our church and lunch, and you know, pick up a few poker games if I could, and invite people to our church, have some Bibles. And I would just go by myself for years for two reasons. One, when you grow up a minister's kid or a businessman's kid, uh, child labor laws do not apply. And two, because I always just thought I was safe. I just always thought that I had not a care in the world. Kids sometimes, we feel like the weight of the world isn't on our shoulders, we can get away with anything. But as we get older, we realize how much there really is to fear. We have some losses in our lives. We have some rejection in our lives. We have some pains in our lives that make us realize how much there actually is to fear in life. And I want to talk about those kind of fears. What is the biblical response when we're at our peak, when we're doing our best? What should be our response to these fears? Well, I picked out this verse in Psalm. David was a king who was alive back in the day. He was a pretty good guy. He messed up a lot, but he loved God a lot. And I can relate to David. So I went to David to see what his views were on fear. Psalm 118.6, he says this, the eternal is with me, so I will not be afraid of anything. If God is on my side, how can anyone hurt me? I love this verse. All respect to David. It's just more bold than I'm used to being. It's a little bit more bold than feels natural for me. So I just need to break down fear really quick. Practically. Practically, when we're talking about fear, even before I can get to the super bold place, let's break it down. The reality is that fear is a part of life. I love that Craig was so adamant about that in his sermon as well, that this is a part of life. This is natural. We don't run red lights in fear of getting in an accident. We don't put our hand in fire in fear of getting burned. Fear is a part of life. The problem is when fear controls our lives. When fear becomes the basis of why we're making decisions or why we're not making decisions. When fear becomes the basis of why we're risking or why we're not risking. When fear has control over us. And when I originally wrote this outline, I titled it Overcoming Fear. But the more I thought about it, I thought, we're talking really about overcoming the control that fear has when we wake up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, and then just like those random moments when you're all of a sudden afraid of something that seems so little but it confuses your entire day. The control of fear. Author and speaker Joyce Meyer says that the action of fear means to take flight and to run away. So when we're talking about fear, you know, over and over in the Bible, God says, "Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear." But God is not saying, "Don't you dare feel fear." He is saying, "Don't you take flight. Don't you run away." Don't you let this fear control you because ultimately this worry-driven, anxiety-induced kind of fear is the kind of fear the enemy hopes you have. And just in case you're new to this church thing or you're new to this God thing, I want you to know we believe the enemy is a real being. The devil whose main purpose in life is to be a roadblock between you and everything that is good for you. A roadblock between you and everything that God has for you. A roadblock between you and you reaching your full purpose and potential. So when we're talking about fear, we're saying there's someone that's fighting for you. And there's someone that's fighting against you. And one of the enemy's favorite ways to roadblock us between us and everything that our lives can be is using fear. I know that's been true for me. There's been times when the enemy has used situations in my life to roadblock the woman that I could be. When I was 17 years old, my dad, my best friend, he got cancer, and when I was 18 years old, flying home from college, in the air to visit him, he just suddenly passed away. And from that moment on, I just lived every day in fear, fear that every person I opened up to would leave me, fear that every prayer I prayed would go unanswered, that I would never have the life I once dreamed of, that I'd never get the traditions or the the normal life I once hoped for, And it changed how I treated people. And it changed how I treated myself. I did not just feel fear. I took flight and I ran away. I started finding my identity in alcohol, in my image, in my body, and in men. And in being someone that was just hard as a rock, not letting anybody in because of what happened to me. Sort of ran and took flight and found identity in being a victim. So when we're talking about fear, I know that there are some that are so real. The ones that make us run away from the person we truly want to be. But let's talk about some practical ways we can fight those kind of fears. If you're anything like me, sometimes I need, like, steps. I need practices. I can't just have, like, a motivational quote with topography on my wall, though that's dope. But I need practices of how I can actually get through this in moments when I feel like fear is overtaking my life. Philippians 4 gives us some ways that we can practically fight fear. Some of us, we just need some new practices. Fear is real in our lives. We just need some new practices to fight it. Philippians 4, 4 and 5 says this, Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Then continued in verse 6 and 7, don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. And know that the peace of God, a peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding, will stand watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus, the anointed one. I am so desperate for this kind of peace in my life for the big fears I have and for the little ones, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a fear that's deep inside of me even when the world around me seems to be falling apart. And this verse gives us four practical ways that we can instead choose peace over fear. One, celebrate God all day, every day. I love this point because it's simple, but it changes your mind. It's saying that, hey, when you wake up in the morning, let's have God be at the forefront of our minds. In the middle of the day and you're going to work, walking around life, let's have God be at the forefront of our minds. And at night, something different, but not at all. Let's just have God be at the forefront of our minds because it helps us. It helps us to look up instead of looking down at the ground at all of our anxieties and worries. Have you celebrated God today. Two, be gentle, kind, and on other people's sides. Now this is my least favorite point because I love holding grudges. I'm really good at it, but I will tell you for all of the years that I've spent holding grudges against people who have hurt me, it's been years of my life wasted. This verse says, if you want peace that can fight your anxiety, if you want peace that can fight your worry, if you want peace that can fight your fear, here's an idea. Be gentle and kind and on other people's sides. This is what that looks like practically for me. You know those events you go to and you know that one person's going to be there? That one meeting at work and you know those people are going to be there? those things that the enemy uses to control whether we're attending something or talking to someone, those ways that we take flight and we run away, in those moments, I've taken this verse to mean this. Before I get there, because first of all, I'm still going to go. And second of all, before I get there, I'm deciding I'm just going to be for them. If they're going to fight for themselves, I'm going to fight with them. I don't need to win. We can all win. I'm just going to decide beforehand that I'm going to be on their side. And it has set me free of so much anxiety going into difficult situations. The third point, the third way we can find peace instead of fear is pray. Pray instead of worrying. I like this point because it's not condescending. You know when you're going through someone and someone just says, don't worry. And Like it totally invalidates your feelings. I love that this says, pray instead of worry. It's given me a practical, actual thing to replace my worry time with. Now I'm doing prayer time. It helps me be more self-aware. When I'm scrolling through my Instagram, comparing myself to other people, let me be self-aware and pray instead of worry right now. When I'm at work and I can't do one thing productive because I'm worried about all these things at home, I'm going to be self-aware. I'm going to pray instead of worry right now. When I can't make that big decision in my life, when I can't do that thing I feel God's calling me to do, instead of just sitting here worried about all the things, all the what-ifs, I'm going to pray. Would God come into this situation? Would God come into my mind? Prayer is just a better use of our time. And finally, four, be thankful. Be thankful. This verse says, here's another way you can have peace instead of fear. Be thankful. When we focus on all the things God has already done and all the things we already have, we become less consumed and less obsessed with all the things we don't have and all the things we're worried about. I'm telling you, when you start actively using these practices, these practices eventually become habits. And eventually, if you stick to it, These habits become weapons. They're your weapons the next time you have a battle with fear. They're your weapons that you've been training with and practicing with the next time anxiety or worry or big life events come into your life. The enemy can't have control over my anxiety. The enemy can't have control over my emotions. The enemy can't have control over my decisions when I am celebrating God all day, every day. He can't get in. When I am choosing to be on other people's sides, he can't get in. When I'm choosing to pray instead of worry, he can't get in. When I'm choosing to be thankful, he can't get in. Some of us just need some new practices to fight fear practically every day. But for some of us, we need more than some new practices. For some of us, we need an entirely brand new perspective. Because we can use all these practices and they can be real great. But if we don't have the correct perspective of God, then we don't know how little there is to fear in the first place. So I want to go back to that verse. That verse where David so boldly said that he won't be afraid of anything, because I want to know how he got there. If I want that kind of power, if I want that kind of boldness, how did he get to the conclusion that was so bold so let's read the five verses before it. In Psalm 118, one through five. Before that bold verse six. Thank God because he's good. Because his love never quits. Tell the world, Israel, his love never quits. And you, clan of Aaron, tell the world his love never quits. And you who fear God, join in. His love never quits. Push to the wall, I called to God. From the wide open spaces, he answered. And because of all that, he comes to a conclusion in verse 6. So the eternal is with me. So I will not be afraid of anything. If God is on my side, how can anyone hurt me? The accurate depiction of God, the new perspective we need to have of God, is that his love never quits. The accurate perspective of God is that pushed to the wall, no matter what corner we find ourselves in, his love never quits. The accurate perspective of God is that he's not as sick of us as we are of us. He's not as tired of us as we are of us. He's not as dumb with us as maybe some people in our lives have been of us. His love just never quits. Why can we be so bold? Why can we do things afraid? How can we have the kind of boldness that David has? My question would be do you know how loved you are? 1 John 4 says this God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God, God lives in us. This way love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling, which we all know. Fear can be very crippling sometimes. A fearful life, a fear of death, fear of judgment is one that's not yet fully formed in love. If we are living in fear, we are not living in God's perfect love. A life that is filled with fear cannot possibly be filled with love. A life that is filled with love could not possibly be filled with fear. If we were truly obsessed with this love, all we were doing was try to read about this love, listen to this love, be around people that know about this love. If we were focusing on that kind of a love, he's in us, we're in him, there would just be no room for your fear. Where would you find the time? How would you have the time for those kind of emotions or anxiety when you were just so aware of how loved you are? When people tell me they're consumed with fear, I always wonder, do you know how safe you are? Do you know how loved you are? I remember years after my dad passed away when I was touring and I met my now husband, Guy, when he first asked me out, I was so plagued with fear. I remember telling him, like, I need time, I need space, I need to think, I took three days to think. It's a terrible story, I was a bit much. But anyways, I drove to see my mentors that were also my friends over an hour to see them. And I told them, this guy, this guy is asking me out. I'm so afraid I might lose him. What do I do if this doesn't work out? I'm so afraid. And they said to me some of the most freeing things anyone's ever said to me. They said, Hosanna, if he breaks your heart, we'll hate him with you. That's that's real love, right? That's the hood love I was raised with. If you have those people, don't lose those people. As the great poet Kendrick Lamar once said, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. You got to keep those people. But because I was so aware of how safe I was, it was easier to be bold. Because I was so aware of how protected I was, it was easier to be fearless. I knew that if it didn't work out this time, if my heart went through some hard stuff this time, that there was a safe place for me to go back to where people were on my side. Children of God, do we know how protected we are? Do we know how safe we are? Do we know that there is a place we can come back to even if the world is against us, even if things don't go our way? Do we know that if something breaks our heart, if something fights against our identity in Christ, God hates that with us? God hates everything that stands in the way of us and his love for us. God hates everything that stands in the way of his relationship with us. God hates everything that stands in the way of you knowing how much he loves you. That thing that takes you away from him, he'll hate that with you. Do we know how safe we are? Because just like when we were kids and we'd have a care in the world... God actually says in the Bible, he hopes that we do approach him like a child. Matthew 18.3 says, this is the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So it makes sense that from day one, the enemy has been after our childhoods. He hopes that we don't trust him Like a child. He hopes we don't risk with him like a child. He hopes we don't hope, dream, or invest like a child. Because if the enemy can be a roadblock between us and us approaching God like a child, then he can be a roadblock between us and us experiencing the full presence of God. He hopes that you just live plagued with fear, not risking, not dreaming, not hoping again so he can stand in the way of you accessing God's full presence and your full potential. The enemy just wants to be a roadblock between us and all that God has for us. The truth is the enemy knows how safe we are. So he doesn't even need for us to fail He just needs for us to fear. He doesn't even need for us to be completely destroyed. He just needs for us to be distracted with all of the worry and anxiety and the what ifs of what could go wrong. He doesn't even need for us to be completely destroyed. He doesn't need for us to be completely distracted. He doesn't even need for us to be completely ruined. He just needs us to run. The enemy already knows how safe we all are. So it's time that we do too. But this time it's not like a false sense of security like our weird childhoods. It's with an accurate sense of security. Do we know the safe place we can come back to when things don't go our way? Some of us just need some new practices. Some of us just need that new perspective. But of course, we can't really talk about fear in church if we don't talk about what happens when those fears come to pass. Because some of our fears have not stayed hypothetical. And some of us aren't crazy for some of the fears we've been having. Sometimes those fears come to pass. And what is the practices for that? And what's the perspective of that? And what do I do now when all the hell breaks loose in my life and I'm living in fear I had a season like that happen to me not too long ago. It's important to remember that I'm not just Chinese. I was raised very Chinese. So we celebrate Chinese New Year, we love getting good grades, and we love saving our money. My Chinese grandma, my Nin Nin, was very, very serious about teaching me how to save my money. And just growing up on the streets, I always wanted to be good at saving money, always had those little piggy banks, and I knew that there would be family members later in life I'd wanna take care of. I wanted to pay off college really fast. I just knew I wanted to be good with my money. I remember when I started going to church regularly, and I was like, oh, man, tithing, like that's easy way to worship God. It involves money. This is great. I can do the math. 10%. Easy way to worship God. Done. Like when I was a kid and I thought serving God was all about a checklist and it was like a scary thing, which it's not. It's amazing. But when I was a kid, I thought it was like this scary, horrible checkbox life. And I remember thinking, if I don't get to heaven, it's not going to be because I didn't tithe. Like I'm going to for sure punch someone or something. Like that's going to be the reason. Not the easy money thing. That's easy. Then my taxes. When I started my business, I was like, ooh, I'm going to make Uncle Sam so proud. I'm going to get this. Perfect. It was really important to me that I was good at my taxes. And then when I started dating when in junior high, in high school, any time I'd get serious with somebody and they talked about having a life with me, I always knew that the next question would be, do you have any debt? It's a, oh, <laughs> it's a reasonable question. Got to be prepared. And so I always knew, like, I need to know what I'm getting myself into. And maybe there was a lot of fear in that. And maybe there was, you know, a lot of just hesitant about the other things that happened to my family in that. But for mostly good reasons, I wanted to be good with my money. I remember when I started dating my now husband guy, thinking like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do if he has debt? I don't know. How do I ask this? You know, like when's the appropriate time? And I remember thinking, okay, I'm just going to start saving. So if he ever asks me to marry him, I'm just going to pay off all his debt. So I started, oh, my gosh, is that crazy? It feels reasonable. I'm not a crazy person. I'm prepared. And so I was like, I'm going to pay off all of his debt. So I saved up for the two years that we dated. And then when he proposed to me, lucky, lucky man, and he said, will you marry me? Not in that moment, but later that night. I was like, so how much debt do you have? And so he didn't have any debt at that time. And so I said to him, oh, man, I had like this savings account. And he said, what are we going to do with all the extra money? I said, extra? We're going to save it. Music to my ears. Ladies, I don't care what Instagram tells you, what Facebook tells you, there's nothing sexier than a big voluptuous savings account. The Bible doesn't technically say that, but I feel like God would back me up on that. There's nothing sexier. So I just remember always wanting to be good. And though there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of responsibility that I felt to my family really tied up in that for mostly good reasons. It was very important to me that I was God-honoring and wise to the point of some crazy person things. So you could imagine nine years ago when I started my business, I really wanted to do it right. I really wanted to do it well. I didn't take a lot of risk. I really just wanted to be smart, do things by the book. You can imagine when not too long ago, My family went through one of the most difficult seasons we've ever been through, a lot of loss. Relationships, people, money, jobs, babies. It was one of the hardest seasons we've ever been through. And in the middle of that season, I decided to invest 100% of my business's savings into one project, and at the same time decided to invest 100% of my family's savings into one project. You can imagine that crazy person that would ask her 8th grade boyfriends if they had any debt, what I went through when week after week it became clear that this project was going to fail. And week after week it became clear that maybe this wasn't the best idea I had ever had. And every week I became more fearful, what if I can't pay my people? What if I can't keep taking care of the people I'm taking care of? What if my ministry doesn't look like anything I've been hoping for? What if the next project looks like nothing like what I've been dreaming of? What if I publicly fail in front of all these people who trusted me? I have this awesome team, they're really amazing. And I thought, what if I let all of them down? And month after month, all of those fears came to pass. And I want to make sure I share that story, a story that's not in any of my books and 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 it's still kind of hard for me to talk about because I know in a series like this about fear, I know it can be easier for us to talk about fear in a hypothetical way, but what happens when it's so real and you didn't just disappoint yourself, you let down other people? What do we do now when fear is a reality, when our worst fears have come to pass? I wanted to share with you a couple of verses I held on to during that season. I was trying just to breathe. I was trying just to walk. Didn't even consider overcoming fear. I just wanted to survive. Here are two verses that I held on to when I was trying to figure out what's the perspective I have of God now. Psalm 18:19 says, "He led me to a place of safety." He rescued me because he delights in me. The true perspective of God that we can all have is that he likes us. It's kind of different than the God I was raised learning about. He'll never stop liking us. He'll never stop rescuing us. He actually likes doing that. 2 Corinthians 1:10 says he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us The accurate depiction of God in the middle of our fears is that God is the kind of God that will rescue us again and again and again. He likes us. His love never quits. He is good. He wants to rescue us. And even if we invest again and fail again, he'll deliver us again. Even if we lose again and feel like we're failures again, he'll rescue us again. He's not done with us. There is more he wants for us. There's more he wants to risk with you. There's bigger dreams that he has for you. And even if it doesn't go the way that you hope, he will rescue you again. I wish I could say that none of my fears have ever come to pass, but the truth is because some of my biggest fears already have, Bad news for the enemy. I already know how safe I am. Because if I could live through that and survive that, the enemy better be afraid of the kind of dreams I'm dreaming now. And the enemy better be afraid of how much we're investing in the next thing we're working on. And the enemy better be afraid of the kind of fearlessness and boldness we're going into the next season with because I already lived through some of my greatest fears and I realized, it's true, we're that safe. It's true, I am that loved, it's true. Those people didn't leave me. My husband didn't leave me. My team didn't quit on me. And when I thought about this series, Do It Afraid, I thought, man, what am I going through right now? What's the truth about what I'm doing afraid right now? Because I love this series. Craig and Steve set it up so amazing. I was so convicted watching the videos before my sermon. And I know that in 2020, I'm I'm supposed to come out with my third book. And that's horrifying to me. I came out with I Have a New Name a few years ago. I spoke on it last Christmas. I came out with Super Added, which is about abundant life a little bit after. But when I was writing I Have a New Name, we were going through this horrible, horrible season. So, though the book is about claiming victory over our identity, I was learning it while I was writing it. The cover's really pretty. What went through, what our family went through, for me to write it was not. When we wrote Super Added, it was about all these ways to access abundant life for me and my husband and our family to find joy and peace again coming out of that season. So this year I just knew I just wanted to be in community and I just wanted to get to preach and teach and tell the truth about our lives. But I have a book due out in 2020 that I've been putting off for months because I'm afraid. I'm afraid not just of of what's gonna happen to me, I'm, I'm afraid of what I've done to my team and my family and I just don't wanna mess this one up this time. But man, I already survived failing once. And I don't want the enemy to have victory over my life again. When my dad passed away, I ran, I took flight, and I found my identity in all these things I wasn't. So this time, with these kind of fears and these kind of anxieties in the air, I'm not letting him win this time and I'm not letting have victory over my emotions this time. I'm trying my best to celebrate God all day, every day. I'm trying my best to fight for people, though that's not my natural instinct. I'm trying my best to pray instead of worry. I'm trying my best to be thankful, and I'm trying to remember the God that saved me when I thought there was no saving. I'm trying to remember how good he is and how safe I am. So, I want to read to you one more verse that was my anthem when I came out of that season a couple years ago. And the anthem I'm trying to proclaim over my life now Isaiah 57 and 8. I'm going to call the band to come back up and lead us in worship right after this. Because the Lord the Eternal helps me, I will not be disgraced. So, I set my face like a rock confident that I will not be ashamed. My hero who sets things right is near. Who would dare to challenge me? Let's stand and debate this head to head. Who would dare to accuse me? Let him come near. This is the anthem I'm trying to pray over myself and I'm praying over all of us today that when fear comes into our lives, we have the weapons, we have the practices, and we have the perspective, but that our faces are also set like a rock, that the enemy can't have control over us anymore, that we're not gonna be afraid to take a step of faith onto the waves anymore, that we're not gonna let what we went through before be our excuse for why we're living lives that are anything less than what God has for us. If you're going through fear, I'm with you. If someone in your life is going through fear, man, I'm alongside of you praying for them. And I want to pray for all of us in here today that we too would have the courage to set our faces like rocks and no matter what happened before, that we would still be able to somehow do it afraid. I'm going to pray for all of us right now. God, I pray with all my heart, would you please remind us every day this week when we're worrying would you remind us to pray when we're comparing or being rude would you remind us to fight for others god would you just remind us every moment when we're dealing with fear anxiety or irritation would you remind us that we could instead have your peace and god i pray for people specifically going through real fears right now would you remind them every single day this week how safe they are? Would you remind them every single day this week how protected and loved they are? I hope we risk more, God. I'm tired of being complacent. I hope we dream bigger, God. I'm tired of the enemy having victory. I pray that you would give us a new found assurance in who you are and how safe we are with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Central Wesleyan family. I love you guys. I hope to see you soon.